Aaron Rodgers' drama with his wide receivers continues as the Packers' star is really kind of being just a bad teammate to his team. And we'll also be talking about the WNBA playoffs. And we'll be talking about the Team USA hockey teams, which neither the men's nor women's have been doing well lately. All of that and more. Welcome back. This is Beyond the Game with me, Levi, your host from the NW Sports Cast, brought to you by the World of Sports and the World of Sports Media Network. Let's get into it, guys. So, I talked about this yesterday, and I'm going to talk about it more today because uh, not a lot of news, kind of a light news day. Uh, I am recording in the morning, so I'm sure more will happen this afternoon that I'll talk about tomorrow. But, <clears throat> look, Aaron Rodgers has become such a diva. And let's be honest with ourselves. The NFL hyped up this man so much over the course of his, I believe it's now nearing 20-year career. He was the poster child of the league ever since he broke out in his fourth season. He did the commercials. He got the State Farm. He won the Super Bowl at a pretty young age with Mike McCarthy as his head coach. He played for one of the most storied franchises in the league up in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers was what Patrick Mahomes is now. Let's not kid ourselves here. Tom Brady's always been the GOAT. Right, Brady's always been the top dog, but there was a time that Aaron Rodgers was the NFL's brand. He was, you thought the NFL, you thought Aaron Rodgers, and he kind of disappeared for a bit, and they kind of, they, they, they tried to replace him with some guys, they, they hoped that Cam Newton would be their new uh, poster boy, but Cam Newton never really truly worked out for them, and then they found Mahomes. And then after they found Mahomes, Rodgers went back to being the best quarterback in the NFL. But there's been so much pressure on Aaron Rodgers throughout his career. And let's... The truth about the NFL is playing professional football, it, it takes a toll on you. And it takes a toll on your body, but it also takes a toll right here in your brain. The NFL makes you weird. It's made Aaron Rodgers go crazy. He's gone completely cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I mean, you look at the guy. He's 38, still single, after, you know, he used to be, he used to always be dating all the hot models, right? Not anymore. Now he's apparently with a witch. Um, who knows what's going on there? But he's still single. He lives by himself. He follows conspiracy theories. He goes on every Tuesday and talks with Pat McAfee about those weird conspiracy theories. He refuses to get vaccinated. He lied to the NFL. He self-proclaimed... Uh, psychedelics use is what has given him the MVP awards the past two years. So he claims that using psychedelics is what made him great. Which I certainly, I mean, obviously not to go against his personal experience, but I highly doubt that that is the reason why he was able to hit Devontae Adams for all of those touchdown passes. I don't think the psychedelics is what did it. I think that was good play calling, good play design, and having the best receiver in the league. And also being Aaron Rodgers. But Aaron Rodgers continues to just get weirder and weirder. And he's gone from being a guy who I, you know, he was one of my favorite players when he was, when he, in his younger days. But boy, oh boy, I mean, I, I struggle. I feel bad for the guy. I think something has definitely gone wrong. And ever since his injury, he's just gone down the weirdest paths. He's gone down the path of no return, it feels like into the rabbit hole of conspiracies and and witches and, and psychedelic use. I mean, 
he grew out his hair. He looks like a hippie. He looks like he's playing in the 70s. I mean, he's got the, the long hair and the mustache. So he looks weird. Everything about Aaron Rodgers, has he went from being up here to just being like, he's like the crazy uncle of the NFL. Aaron Rodgers is the crazy uncle of the NFL. Yesterday I compared him to KD, but I think KD is even, I think KD is more sane than Aaron Rodgers. I think the closest thing you can get to him in the, in the NBA is Kyrie Irving when you talk about the crazy uncle of the league. But even Kyrie Irving, I mean, there's, there's a bit of a difference there, I think. But yeah, I would, I would say they would be pretty close together. That, that, that's basically the equivalent. Uh, but Aaron Rodgers yesterday, he goes out in an interview and he says that his young receivers need to learn how to catch the ball. <laughs> and so I have some issues with Rodgers saying this. Now, first of all, you're the veteran quarterback leader of the team. You're the team captain. You're the guy who the rest of your team should be looking up to you, right? Does this guy, I mean, yeah, he certainly looks like a crazy uncle, but he's still the team captain, right? He is the leader of that locker room, or at least he should be the leader of that locker room. So if you're going to start throwing shade on your guys, maybe you should do a little bit of help. Maybe you should do a little bit of teaching, and I get it. You know, he's gotten old. He doesn't want to do any more teaching. He's done teaching in the past. He, he's taught receivers in the past. He just wants to have reliable guys who he doesn't have to worry about. I get it. But then you look at Tom Brady, and Tom Brady's doing it every year with the most random guys. I mean, he turns Scotty Miller into a decent fantasy option. A guy who nobody really even heard of Scotty Miller, he turned him into a decent wide receiver three on a team that already had four good wide receivers. <laughs> I mean... The, the way that Tom Brady is able to connect with receivers is truly amazing, and it's not the same with Aaron Rodgers. We've seen it. We've seen when Devontae Adams was injured. Aaron Rodgers has nobody to throw to. And now, without Marquez Valdez-Scantling as well, they got Alan Lazard. What else are they going to have this year? Randall Cobb, he's getting old. And I understand. I mean, Randall Cobb, he's been good before. Yeah. Like seven years ago. They got Sammy Watkins. He's old. He's a veteran. Rogers comments. He made it sound like it's the young guys that he's mad at. So he's not mad at his veterans. He's not mad at Randall Cobb and Sammy Watkins, presumably. But at the same time, if that is who you're trying to rely on, it, it's going to be tough, I think, for Aaron Rodgers to repeat the success he's had before. But my other, but my problem with him making these comments is, what do you expect is going to change from you to say that, other than this, which is everyone's talking about it. Like, are you looking for sympathy? At least wait till you lose a couple games before you start clambering for sympathy. But I don't want to hear this excuse of our young receivers can't catch. Is that like that's that's your preamble to missing out in the playoffs? That's your preamble to losing to the Bears and the Vikings? I mean. What is what is his point in this? Because unless he wants the Packers to go swing a big trade for a receiver two weeks before the season, which they're not going to do, so he can throw that. If that's his wish, that's that's not on the table. That's not an option for him. But I don't understand what else he's trying to do here. I don't get what he's trying to accomplish. But if I was the Packers, I would be very wary about keeping Aaron Rodgers after this current contract is up. Obviously, he's the highest-paid player in the league, but he continues to make comments about retirement. 
He says he doesn't want to play till as long as Brady is playing, even though I'm sure he could if he wanted to. He's starting to look old, not in the body, but look at that face. Compared to Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers looks years older than Tom Brady. And now he's starting to act crazy. Aaron Rodgers has gone completely off the rails, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And if I was the Packers, I'd be very careful with how you deal with him. Because he is the most important player in that organization. He's the most important person in that organization. There's no owner. Not the strongest of GMs. He controls the Packers right now. And you don't want a crazy guy controlling your franchise. So as long as you're winning, it's okay. And we do expect the Packers to be good. They have a great defense. They have a good O-line. They have Aaron Jones. And, and, and of course, Aaron Rodgers. <clears throat> but if they're not winning, yikes. If the Vikings win that division this year or the Bears... Yikes. All right, moving on uh, to another NFL player who's just an ex-NFL player who's gone off the rails, Jake Plummer. Uh, There was a story out yesterday in The Athletic. Former Cardinals quarterback Jake Plummer, it seems like maybe this is where Aaron Rodgers gets it from. Look at Jake Plummer, man. He is now a mushroom farmer, and he thinks that it is going to make him live forever. So... You know what? Aaron Rodgers, pay attention to here. This could be you someday. This could be Aaron Rodgers someday. A mushroom addict who thinks he's going to live forever. Talk about crazy conspiracies. Talk about cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Aaron Rodgers, Jake Plummer. Guarantee you, Jake Plummer will be on the Pat McAfee show at some point to talk to Aaron Rodgers about that. That would be prime television. You have to do it. I mean, you have to. (laughs) So anyways... Uh, Speaking of Aaron Rodgers, he did just get a new wide receiver. Travis Fulgham has been claimed off of the Broncos. So yesterday I mentioned uh, Travis Fulgham was cut from the Broncos. He's been claimed by the Green Bay Packers. So their receiving core uh, gets a little bit deeper with that. Travis Fulgham, people thought he could be good for the Eagles, but he kind of just became a clowned member of their team. He he did a little bit. uh, He was one of those undrafted guys that everyone was laughing about. Oh, Carson Wentz is thrown to Travis Fulgham. But Travis Fulgham's done more for the Eagles than J.J. Arcega-Whiteside ever did. So, you know, I would rather the Seahawks picked him up, personally. But he's going to the Packers. Maybe he can be a uh, a deep threat for them at some point. I don't know if he'll really see the playing field that much. But if he does, uh, there you go. Travis Fulgham to the Packers. And we just went the wrong way. So let's move on to baseball here. <clears throat> and uh, Stephen A. Smith yesterday on first take, he ripped into the Yankees. He said they were garbage, trash, embarrassment to the city. I wouldn't go that far. Like, the Yankees, they had lost 11 out of 13. They hadn't scored in 21 innings. They were in a slump. It was undoubtable. Uh, but yesterday, the Yankees came through after calling up their three prospects, including Estevan Florial to play outfield and Oswaldo Cabrera to play infield. Here you go. Josh Donaldson, check this out. Well, that's, there's Jake Cronenworth there, but... Let's find it. It's next. 
Here we go, Josh Donaldson, look at this. Tenth walk-off Grand Slam in New York Yankees history. They were down by three against the Rays. The Rays, who were nine games behind them in the playoff chase. Look at that, Josh Donaldson, former MVP. Having a pretty good season in New York. Pretty underrated season in New York. So the Yankees, they're going to hope that that can be the spark. Right away, people jump on the bandwagon. Josh Donaldson, Yankees, they're back, they're back. Like I said, I think they're going to be fine. And, uh, yeah, good win. Crazy win. So Dylan Batances, former Yankee, he has retired from Major League Baseball. Uh, Dylan, he was a really good pitcher. Uh, Four-time All-Star from 2014 to 2017 with the Yankees. 36 saves. He was always kind of that setup man for Mariano Rivera. And then eventually when they switched over to David Robertson and then Aroldis Chapman. So he's been uh, their setup man for a long time, four-time All-Star. It's That's hard to do, right? Relief pitchers, to be in the All-Star game four times, for anyone to be in the All-Star game four times is difficult, but especially for relievers because for most positions, you're picking three guys, maybe two, but two, you're picking two or three guys out of 15 per league. For relievers, you're picking two or three guys out of, like, like how many are there per league? There's, like, seven, seven guys on each team, so there's, like... 70 relievers and you only get to pick two or three so to say that he was a top basically a top three reliever out of 70 four times in a row that's really impressive uh, so Dylan Batanzas he was a great player he went to the Cubs never really worked out for the Cubs never really worked out for the Mets uh, either and then uh, this year he's been in the Dodgers system but he has been struggling and so he decides you know uh, why not call it a career so yeah it was a great career he was a filthy pitcher back in the Yankees uh they, you know, Clay Holmes is kind of his uh, successor now, I guess. And, uh, yeah, congratulations on a con fantastic career, Dylan Batances. If there was a Hall of Fame for relief pitchers, he would be in it. Um, so let's talk about the rookies. We mentioned yesterday, Shane Langoliers and Brett Batty, they had both been called up to the major leagues, and both of them launched their first home runs of the season. So let's look at Shane Langoliers first. Here it is for the Oakland Athletics. Look at that. First hit of his career. It's a home run. 7-1 Athletics. They got a nice win over the Rangers yesterday. And check this out. Brett Batty on the Mets. First at-bat of his major league career. Up 2-0 against the division rival Braves. Second inning. Jake Odorizzi. Easy pitch. Hits the curveball out to right field. Not only was that the first hit of his career, it was the first at-bat. So both of these guys, their first hit is a home run. And, you know, it's interesting how many prospects do that. So many guys come up and hit home runs in their first hit. I almost wonder if pitchers are, like, trying to give it to them. I don't know. Or, uh, or maybe they're just, like, they want to swing for the fences. They know they can do it. But, yeah, it's... It is kind of interesting how, like, I feel like a lot of players, they get their first hit as a home run. But congratulations to both of these guys. I think they're both going to be pretty good players in the major leagues for the next, uh, at least the next good amount, like five, six, seven seasons, and maybe even longer than that. We'll see how long they stick around. But both of these guys should be pretty good for the next uh, many years. Uh, so here's another really interesting story from the MLB. 
There's a story out in The Athletic two days ago that I missed. I should have talked about this yesterday. It was not even on my radar. But I read about this thing called the Traject Arc and what this Traject Arc is. So, actually, let's, I'll give a prelude for it first, right? The MLB. Uh, so, in the past about 15, 20 years, the MLB has become a massive pitcher's league, right? It used to be a hitter's league. The hitters were all juicing. They were all on the steroids. It's bam, bam, home run, home run, offense, offense, offense. And people loved it, and the fans loved it. And then the pitchers started getting so many more advantages because the analytics has been huge for pitching development. Because unlike the hitters, who kind of still have to be kept guessing, like the hitters, they can know what pitchers are good at and bad at, and they can know what to expect from pitchers, but they still don't really know what's coming. But for pitchers, they know exactly the best ball placement for every hitter and how to get them out. And you better believe that before every start, they are studying that and they are practicing that. Like the, the amount of massive advantages that pitchers have been given just simply due to the advancements in the game and the analytics department have, has been huge. It's been game changing. And people love to talk about how baseball can't change with the times and baseball doesn't get updated and baseball is the same game it's been since 1902. That is not true at all. There's been so many developments in baseball, so many changes, and this is just the next one, the Traject Arc. This one's kind of counteractive, though, to all of the huge gains that the pitchers have made, because the Traject Arc is essentially a robot pitcher. So the Cubs, they're the first team to be using this, the Chicago Cubs, and they haven't been having a good season, and I don't expect that this thing will turn their season around anytime soon, but the Cubs with this traject arc, essentially they're employing the use of a robot pitcher to project what the actual pitcher would be. So they, so the robot pitcher will, it, 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 it essentially pretends to be the pitcher you're about to face and it can simulate the at-bats. And so if you're on the team, you can just, you know, hack after hack after hack on this traject arc to get used to how the pitcher's going to pitch. So instead of, you know, oh, the last time I hit against Clayton Kershaw was back in April, now it's, oh, I just pitched against the trajectory Clayton Kershaw, the robot Clayton Kershaw. I just took 100 swings against him. So then you're used to it. You're warmed up to go against the pitcher. That is going to be game changing. So if this, if this is actually, like, realistic, this could be game-changing for offenses everywhere. I mean, you're going to see huge influx of offense if this thing if this turns out to work and we could see it next year with the Cubs if the Cubs come out hot out of the gate next year and they're swinging the hot bats and they're leading the league in offense all you got to do is look at the trajectory to know why because I think this trajectory could be huge for baseball and a huge advantage for offense this could literally change the game like this could be the biggest game changer we've ever seen I don't know because steroids even you need the skill Right, steroids, you can hit home runs, you still need the skill. If you're able to just take 100 hacks off of a simulated version of the pitcher, and I'm telling you, this is precise, right? The angle, it's precise. The, the spin, the movement, it's all precisely to what the pitcher is tracked to be doing. So basically, they take the analytics from the pitcher, plug it into the robot, bam. You're basically hitting against that pitcher. Like that's that's... That's what it's supposed to be. I don't know if it works, right? We'll have to see in the next couple seasons. But if you're getting, if you're able to take 100 hacks against the pitcher you're about to face for every single game, and then you can do it for the bullpen guys too. I mean, that's, 
pitchers are going to have to come up with something new, and they are. I mean, they're all using their spinny stuff. They're not really using the hardcore spider tack and that kind of stuff, but they are all using substances again. Uh, we've known that for a while. They're using substances. They're not really getting checked. The league has kind of stopped caring. But uh, this evens the playing field for hitters. Honestly, this kind of blows the playing field out of the water for hitters if you really, if it turns out to be effective, which, again, it might not be. Who knows? Let's talk about uh, Carmelo Anthony for a second. Carmelo Anthony, I feel like everyone gets a documentary these days, but Carmelo Anthony is reportedly going to be making a four-part documentary series about his career. This makes me wonder if he is planning to retire, but there are still rumors that he might be going back to the Nuggets for one more season. So uh, we'll have to follow that development. But at the moment, yeah, four-part documentary series for Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, just like, why does everyone... I, I mean, Carmelo Anthony's great, don't get me wrong. He's a fantastic player. He's a legend in t today's NBA. But he's not a top 20 player of all time. He's probably... He might be in the top 40. Uh, I don't know if I'd put him in the top 40. Some people probably would. But Carmelo Anthony, he's not on the same... Because we've seen, seen Derek Jeter get a documentary. We've seen Michael Jordan get a documentary. We're going to see a lot more documentaries, I think, because, because of the Michael Jordan documentary, which did so good. I just don't feel like Carmelo Anthony's on their level. But that'll be interesting to watch. I'm sure I will watch it. Um, he's, a, he's a fun player, and he was one of the greats. I liked watching him on Portland. Obviously, I'm a Portland fan because... Uh, live in Seattle. Anyways, let's talk about the Team USA hockey for a bit. Uh, Team USA, man, it was not good yesterday. The men, they played Czechia. It should have been an easy win instead. 4-2 upset loss. And the women, they play Canada. That's a pretty tough game. Obviously, that's the rivalry game. Women lose 4-3 to Canada. So the men's women's hockey team, they're both out of their current uh, tournaments. Frustrating, disappointing, especially for the men to lose to Czechia, that small country. I don't even know where Czechia is. I think it used to be called the Czech Republic. They switched it. I don't know why. That's, yeah, that's annoying. Team USA, you've got to be better at that. And let's talk about the WNBA playoffs. The Las Vegas Aces took on the Phoenix Mercury yesterday. And I, let me pull up the score just so I know. One second. It was a good game. I watched the highlights already, so but you guys are going to get to see that right here. WNBA playoffs obviously kicking off. Only two games last night, and then there will be two more games tonight. So last night, the Aces winning. It was 79-63, so a pretty comfortable win. The Aces, there, of course, are the number one seed. The Mercury in that number eight seed slot. And for the Aces, being led by Kelsey Plum, she is just such a good player. And uh, she dropped 22 points for them last night. Jackie Young dropped 16 points as well. 13 rebounds for Kaya Stokes. So a really good game all around for the Aces. For the Mercury, not as good of a game. Uh, Diamond DeShields, she drops 18 points for them. She ends up being their leading scorer. And 16 rebounds from Brianna Turner. Uh, so they had some good players. Uh, they had some players do very well. But fortunately for the Mercury, it's a... 16-point loss for them. And then the other game that happened, we had an upset. It was 98-91, to one of the highest-scoring games you're going to see out of the NBA. Almost 100 points. The Liberty taking it 98-91 over the Chicago Sky, who I did pick to win that series. I picked both the Aces and the Sky to win their uh, series. But uh, the Sky, they fall by 7. Look at the Liberty. 
They got two players getting over 20. Natasha Howard drops 22 points. And so does Sabrina Ionescu, who Ionescu is only 24 years old, and she looks like a star right now. She's been playing really good basketball lately. And then you've got not a ton of rebounds. Their rebound leader was Stephanie Dolson at 7. But you've got Ionescu with 6 assists as well. And then uh, I believe it's Maureen Johannes. I'm not sure how to pronounce that last name. Maureen Johannes. She grabs 7 assists and 8 points in only 27 minutes, so not even half the game. But yeah, that was a, a good, a really good performance from the Liberty. Their offense was fantastic. For Chicago, yeah, not as good of a game. Kalia Copper, she scores 21 points. And then you got 18 points from Allie Quigley, who obviously is one of their star players, 36 years old. She continues to play at an elite level for the Chicago Sky. 10 rebounds for Candace Parker, uh, who is their best player, also 36 years old. Candace Parker, 10 rebounds, 17 points. So they had some good games from a lot of players. Also, 10 assists for Courtney Vandersloot, a really good game out of Courtney Vandersloot. But unfortunately for the Sky, they fall short. So they have to win the next two games if they want to advance on to the semifinals tonight. I will probably not be able to watch it, but I will be following closely to the Storm. They play the Mystics as well as the Wings and Suns who play at 5. So that's going to be tonight's games and then uh, tomorrow, no games. So WNBA playoffs, yeah, they kick off underway. The Aces, they're the favorites to win. They clean up business, win by 16. The Sky, bad loss. I don't know. And let us move on to the BMW Championship. The Golf BMW Championship starts today. Uh, this is, I believe, the second-to-last Open before the PGA Championship. I'm not sure who the favorite is to win it. Let me check. BMW Championship picks. And it appears that the favorite to win it is... Cameron Young, Rory McIlroy... Tony Finau. Those are just a few of the favorites. I wonder if Rory McIlroy will get it. I don't believe he's ever won the BMW Championship before, but uh, as far as going for the FedEx Cup, there's only two more Opens left. Right now, Will Zalatoris holds the edge for the FedEx Cup. Uh, he is leading Scotty Scheffler, but barely. So that's the big news. And then, yeah, Cameron Smith is number three. Cameron Smith's actually not playing, so he withdrew from the BMW Championship, which is interesting. So that's going to lose him some ground in the FedEx Cup standings. But it does appear to be between Scotty Shuffler and Will Zalatoris. Uh, I'm not too familiar with either of those guys, to be honest, but I did watch Scotty Shuffler in the U.S. Open, and he looks like a really good golfer. But there's those are the current, and he is currently ranked number one, but Will Zalatoris is ahead of him. So we'll have to see how both of those guys do as far as the FedEx Cup goes. If you guys are golf fans, this is golf. Um, if you don't follow golf, sorry, you guys can just tune out. Anyways, guys, that's going to be the end of today's video. It's kind of a shorter one today. Not a ton of news. Um, while I'm filming this, I did see uh, Deshaun Watson has been handed an 11-game suspension. So we'll talk about that more at length tomorrow. I don't have time to edit that into this video. But uh, Deshaun Watson, just my quick reaction. Deshaun Watson, 11-game suspension. Um... I think it's fair, honestly. You know, I said a, I said a full season was overkill. I think eleven games is a pretty good amount, to be honest. So, uh, he'll be back in week thirteen, and interestingly enough, his first game in week thirteen. Who's it against? It's against his former team, 
the Houston Texans. So I'll talk about that at length tomorrow. That's probably going to be the lead story tomorrow. But thank you guys for watching. Like and subscribe down below. Leave a comment. Uh, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts. Follow the World of Sports. Follow me on Instagram at Levi Coover. Follow World of Sports Official on Instagram. And follow Beyond the Game Cast Official. We are all new on Instagram as of yesterday. So thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow.